the 41st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebound. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti... It's going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here with you guys tonight. I'm going to be walking you through Carolina's 83-55 win over Elizabeth City State in the exhibition game tonight from the Smith Center in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Um, just, just with scheduling purposes and stuff like that, Anthony going to be in Chapel Hill for the Wake Forest football game, just doing this one solo. Um, it, he, he is still on the podcast. I know I have joked about firing him and finding a suitable replacement. I have not found that person yet. If you do have a resume though, you'd like to submit, just shoot me a DM at HTB Josh on Twitter. As I mentioned, Carolina 83 to 55. Winners tonight over the Vikings from Elizabeth City State down of the uh, Division II ranks of uh, the CIAA. We're going to go and take a look at the box score from tonight's uh, from tonight's win. Carolina had five players in double figures led by Dawson Garcia, the transfer from Marquette. 17 points. Um, Armando Baycott added 16. Brady Manick added 16 points. R.J. Davis with 12 points. And Caleb loved the last Carol, uh, the last player for Carolina in double figure scoring at 10 points. Carolina shot just 43% from the field for the game, but 39% from three and 80% from the foul line. So while they want to get their overall field goal percentage up closer to that 48, 49 percentile, you're going to love 39% from three. And if you shoot 80% from the foul line, it's really hard to beat this team night in. And night out defensively, they held Elizabeth City State to 37% shooting from the field and 35% shooting from behind the arc. Carolina did what they should have done on the glass, out-rebounding the Vikings 49-28. They grabbed 19 offensive rebounds and converted those 19 offensive rebounds into 19 second-chance points, which factors out to or or averages out to one, uh, one point per offensive Rebound points in the paint a little bit lower than you probably are anticipating for Carolina. They scored just 26 points in the painted area, but held Elizabeth City State to just 22 to outscore them in that department as well. The Tarios also outscored them 15 to nine in the fast break. Mentioned the defense and holding them to just 37% shooting. Carolina also forced 17 turnovers of the Vikings and turned those. 17 turnovers into 30 points. Carolina themselves committed 
15 turnovers, but those were converted just to 15 points. So a 13-point swing there for Carolina. Lastly, Carolina handed out 18 assists, so had an 18 to 15 assist to turnover ratio. Not great, but also not bad. They're still working out a lot of kinks in the new system, learning to play with one another, especially with the three transfers that they brought in. You want to see that that assist number get up and that turnover number go down, but nonetheless, not a bad way to start uh, the or, or not not a bad way as Carolina does get ready to start the regular season on Tuesday night. Let's talk about the takeaways from tonight's game. We mentioned in the preview and when we previewed the backcourt earlier earlier this week that Hubert Davis was going to have a fluid rotation. Um, he, he admitted to that. That's something that is going to be a part of what he wants to do and is what he's going to do. And he showed that tonight. Um, only eight players played in the first half. He started Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Kerwin Walton, Dawson Garcia, who did not play in the scrimmage at Florida a few weeks ago, got the nod. And then, of course, Big Mondo got the start as well off the bench in the first half. You only saw Justin McCoy, Brady Manick, and Leaky Black. Leaky Black, the senior leader, leader on the team. He didn't check in until after the under-12 timeout. So it was something that uh, it was probably scripted. But nonetheless, Schubert Davis is not going to be afraid to to play a limited role as long as guys are not in or a limited rotation, as long as guys are not in foul trouble. Anthony Harris saw action in the second half, as did the freshman Dontre Styles and DeMarco Dunn. And even the reserve squad, uh, the, the reserve blue squad, they all got on the court. In the final, the thing about what you saw from the starting rotation was you saw three guards with Love, Davis, and Walton, and then you had the two bigs. So not a not a traditional forward on the floor for Carolina. Um, the good news is is that Carolina is of course able to uh, maintain that and navigate that um, against a lesser opponent in Elizabeth City State. So it will be interesting to see how he does juggle the lineup if he does play with three guards. Does he put a fourth uh, – does he put a forward on the floor to play a little bit smaller? Does he play with the two bigs? Of course, that might that might be dictated off of matchups, tendencies, pra- the practices leading into the games, and all that great stuff. Um, but, you know, no one played more than 28 minutes. That was led by Caleb Love. Um, from from all the starters off the bench, Brady Manick played 21 minutes off the bench, which is the most of any guy that did come off the pine for Carolina. So even if you're not starting like Brady Manick proved tonight, you're still going to get a lot of quality minutes. Justin McCoy got 14 minutes, um, and, and you got six minutes from Dunn, six minutes from Styles. Harris played 12 minutes. Leaky Black played 16 minutes. So it's going to be fluid. I think every time you hear the horn, whether it's going, uh, you know, with a foul, a turnover, TV timeout, what have you, there will probably be someone at that scores table being ready to be brought in, as we talked about leading into the season. Carolina isn't as deep as they probably want to be, usually, but they are deeper than I think we all anticipated them being right at the time. Hubert Davis got the job, so there will be minutes for everybody, and he wants to have as many fresh players on the floor as he can. That was an old Dean Smith trademark back when Dean Smith was, of course, 
coaching the targets. Let's talk about the play of the transfers. Probably the thing we were most excited about seeing tonight, the first time getting to see our eyes on them. Of course, we got to see them at late night. You got to see the highlights of them at the scrimmage, but we finally got to just glue in and look at all three uh, of the transfers. Start with Dawson Garcia because he was the starter. He led the team in scoring, 17 points, 5 of 9 shooting, 2 of 4 from behind the arc, 5 of 5 from the foul line, did grab 2 rebounds, or 5 rebounds, excuse me, in 25 minutes. As good as Armando Baycott was and is, there were times that you could probably see that Dawson Garcia was the best and most skilled big man on the floor for Carolina. He makes the game look very easy, did a lot of different things. Um, he did take the ball, or, or he did take his defender off the bounce from the top of the three-point line and drove the lane. Carolina hasn't had that seemingly ever, and now that you've got that. Mentioned the three-point shooting. Every time he shot at the three, it looked fluid. It was never a bad shot. He has the uh, the basketball IQ of, of when to force. It's not even not really force. When he takes three-point shots, the majority of the time, they are going to be great three-point shots. Just really skilled. Brings a lot of different uh, abilities to the basketball floor for Carolina, both on the offensive end and on the defensive end. His length is going to be something that is going to be able to help this team improve and take the next step defensively. He did add a steal in tonight's game. Let's go on to Brady Manick off the bench. 16 points, like Dawson Garcia, 5 of 9 shooting, 2 of 5 from behind the three-point line. Was only 4 of 7 from the foul line, but gave you 5 rebounds. He did block 3 shots and drew a charge. He showed a little bit of everything offensively. Mentioned the two three-pointers, a face-up game, a back-to-the-basket where he turned around and elevated over a smaller defender and scored. And he probably won a lot of fans over tonight with the three blocks, drew a charge. You saw some rumblings, on, or not rumblings, but you saw some mentions on Twitter and in the post-game of, of some Tyler Zeller-esque type of play. Really just meaning he's competing and playing his rear end off at both ends of the floor. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and Carolina needs him to be a nightly contributor night in, night out. Justin McCoy, only two points, 0 of 4 from the field, but 2 of 2 from the foul line, but he grabbed six rebounds, two offensive, and he had uh, four defensive rebounds, handed out an assist in 14 minutes despite only scoring those two points. Carolina was a plus seven with him on the court. You know, he's here to help. Uh, improve Carolina's uh, defense. He's a great individual team, def- uh, individual defender, and even better team defender. Of course, coming from playing under Tony Bennett at UVA, you do expect that his offense is going to grow over the course of the season. But if he can do what he did tonight, whether it's coming off the bench or if you see him spot start, depending on the matchup, which is play solid defense, not force the issue offensively and really be a factor on the glass, you're going to live with those type of results um, knowing that the offense is going to come along the way. Let's look at Caleb Love and R.J. Davis now, those the, the backcourt mates. We believe that the, uh, the change of philosophy, it's going to benefit those two guys the most. And we talked leading into the season about our expectations for R.J. Davis. Adam Lucas told me the other day that he thinks – He's the player that benefits the most from the coaching change, and he certainly looked the part tonight. 12 points, 5 of 8 shooting, 1 of 2 from behind the 3-point line, 
one of two um, from the foul line, one rebound, five assists, though. That's that's the big thing. Um, You know, last year he just really struggled with his assist to turnover ratio tonight. That's a five to two mark. Smarter, cleaner, more crisper passes, knowing when to push the issue in transition, both seeking his offense or seeking his teammates. He looks more confident. He was aggressive attacking the basket. I made a mention on Twitter that not only does he like contact, he initiates it. He's not afraid to back down going into the painted area and taking on a big guy and forcing the issue at the rim. He's going to be a big part for this team. Um, all season long, they need him to be a more consistent than he was last year. He definitely, do, he definitely does look ready to take that next step. As for his uh, backcourt mate, Caleb Love, 10 points, 2 of 7 from the field, but his two made baskets were three-pointers, 4 of 4 from behind, or 4 of 4 from the foul line, 5 assists, 4 rebounds. Did have um, 3 turnovers tonight, but, you know, you're going to live with that. Some of it was him just trying to make something happen out of nothing, being aggressive. As long as he's in attack mode and he's not being passive and turning the ball over, I do think you can live with some of those mistakes. Defensively, he looked pretty sharp as well at times. Not his best outing, something that you know he's going to want to uh, build off of when he when we take the floor on Tuesday against Loyola. But you could see it. The, the shot does look better. I still noticed that he was falling away when he shot the ball. I want him to shoot and get to the basket, but he looks more confident. He looks more comfortable on the court. And if, as long as he's more comfortable, more confident, the the talent is there for him to be a, a special player, which Carolina is going to need him to be to reach all of their goals and dreams. Lastly, just some other things that uh, I noticed from whether it was from Twitter. Um, I did listen to the post game with Jones Angel, Adam Lucas, um, and Eric Montross. Eric Montross really mentioned this, and, and and I really thought the same thing. Carolina looked very crisp in the half court. You know, me and Anthony debated uh, a few weeks ago that Anthony thinks that they're going to be a half court team. I don't think that. Adam Lucas told me the other day they're not going to be a half court team, and tonight they weren't a half court team. But when they were in the half court, they did look more comfortable. They were more efficient, whether it was the ball movement, the movement without the ball. Eric Montross said they screened really good, not just not just out there half screening. They were effective screens, trying to get their teammates open, trying to, uh, to run their offense. And the best thing about tonight was that they got to see a zone. They came out and saw a 1-3-1 zone. They're going to see that at times excuse me, through the ACC season, whether it's from Miami and Jim Laranega, Josh Passner at Georgia Tech. You're going to see some zone from time to time this season, especially if you cannot contain Armando Baycott and Dawson Garcia on the on the interior. They're still going to dare you to beat them from the outside, which I, which I think Carolina is more than capable of doing so. But it's good to see those type of defenses early. That way you can find ways to make the, the the adjustments you need to make when you see a step up in competition. I mentioned playing through the bigs. This is the same as last year. I know Carolina wants to be more aggressive. They need more from their guard play, and that's definitely true. This team is going to be at its best when they play through Armando Baycott, when they play through Dawson Garcia, and when they play through Brady Manick. They may not be your three most talented players, Outside, but I, I would definitely argue Baycott and, and Garcia are up there. But
but you're, but they're three of your most efficient players, and they're going to be the guys that, uh, especially with Baycott and Manic, they've got the experience. They've been around the block a time or two, so that they're going to be more accustomed to having to play big in the big moments. You, you still need your guards to take the next step, be more aggressive, be more efficient and all that, but when you're playing inside out, this, which is the way Carolina needs still needs to play, they're going to be tough to beat. Um, let's talk about the defense. Carolina is changing the way that they want to, to defend the pick and rolls, not as much hedging, the way they want to switch and rotate. That needs some work. There were a lot of times, and Hubert Davis made it known in the postgame interview with Jones Angel, that they didn't rotate. They didn't communicate. Um, and, and so they did give up open threes from time to time. But in the second half, they really cleaned that up. The communication was better. The switching and the movement was better. Guys were getting in the right spots. They were closing out stronger and, and harder. And that was a big reason why Elizabeth City only scored 21 points in that second half. It's going to be a work in progress. Carolina also, they also slipped into, into a 2-3 zone of their own, something that I've got to be more accustomed to being willing to see because I'm not a believer in playing zone defense. But Carolina does need to play zone uh, from time to time. They did that tonight. And the, the best part about tonight was that did they do a lot of good things on the court? Yes, they did. And that was important. They needed to get some confidence playing in front of, uh, in front of fans for the first time in seemingly two years. But they also were able to leave the game knowing, hey, we still got a lot of work to do to be the type of team that we want to be. Hubert Davis is going to love that. I'm going to love that as a fan, knowing that uh, you could see the potential, but you could also see the room for improvement and the room for growth for what this team needs to be, albeit in an 83-255 win over Elizabeth City State. We'll take one last look at the box score before we do go ahead and shut this uh, recap edition podcast down. As I mentioned, Carolina, five players in double-figure scoring. Dawson Garcia led the way with 17. Armando Baycott with 16. Brady Manick also with 16. R.J. Davis with 12 points. And Caleb Love with 10. UNC shot 43% from the field for the game. 39% from behind the three-point line. 80% from the foul line. They had Elizabeth City State to 37% shooting, 35% from the foul line. Carolina's 80% free throw shooting was 24 of 30. Just for reference, Elizabeth City State was just 2 of 5. So as you would expect with more um, size down low, Carolina was more aggressive. Um, they shot six times the free throws that the Vikings did, and that was a really big part in the overall margin of victory. Carolina out-rebounded uh, Elizabeth City State 49-28. Of those 49 rebounds, 19 of them were offensive rebounds, which were then converted into 19 second-chance points. UNC outscored Elizabeth City State 26-22 in the painted area and 15-9 in the fast break. The Tar Heels forced 17 Viking turnovers and turned those into 30 points on the other end. And Carolina had a pedestrian, you know, a, a, a pedestrian, but not a bad way to start 18 to 15 assist to turnover ratio. Well, that was a look at the box score for a second time for tonight's win over Elizabeth City State. We're going to take a quick break. Here's this week's ad, ad from DraftKings. Then I will come back with some closing notes before we do get out of here for tonight. <laughs> 
NFL fans hungry for a big win this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with the promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all the great offers that we've uh, that we've given you all summer long from DraftKings Sportsbook, whether it's from baseball season, football season, hockey season. Now we are into basketball season with the NBA into their third week of their season and the college basketball season tipping off full swing next week. So make sure you stay tuned and take great advantage of all these great offers. Some closing notes before we do get out of here for tonight. Uh, Marcus Ginyard was the analyst on the broadcast for ACC Network Extra. He is uh, he's still playing professionally overseas, I do believe. But like many guys, wants to work his way into the broadcasting medium. Carolina, you know, has put got Brendan Haywood in the broadcasting industry. Kenny Smith on the NBA with TNT. Tyler Hansborough called a game last year. Marcus Ginyard now stepping his toes into the basketball industry. Roy Williams was in attendance for tonight's game. Um, and that'll be a regular thing that we will see all season long and moving forward. So don't be surprised when you see old Roy uh, holding holding court up there in the Smith Center. Not only was Roy Williams in the building, but former Tar Heel Vince Carter also made his way to Chapel Hill. Um, great player for Carolina in the 90s. Long NBA career. He's going to be in the NBA Hall of Fame um, in the years to come, he was also back in the building. And this could be a theme we're going to see. Um, so people that we haven't seen in the building for various reasons for the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years, making their way back to check in on the program as Carolina basketball does have a new leader. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before I let you go, do want to get you guys to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where we had you covered in the pregame with the with the preview podcast and a preview article same thing for the post game article is already up for you guys um and and, and so that's going to be the, the thing that you're going to see all basketball season long previews recaps when we can sprinkle in you know the opinion article or two or just the general news around the program of course we will provide you guys with all the information as we take your way through the basketball season Football side of things, as I mentioned, Anthony will be on site tomorrow for the Wake Forest game. I am staying home this weekend. Um, He's already got the preview up. We'll have a recap up. He will have a stock report for you guys as well following the outcome against the Demon Deacons. The Trench Report has been on 
has been put on hold until next season with basketball season back in full swing, given that we're short-staffed um, here at the blog and, our, and, and, and at our full-time jobs. going to be really hard to swing that. So we'll just be giving you previews, recaps, and stock reports through the end of the football season. As for the podcast side of things, you know where to find us. Basketball Podcast Network. We host through Megaphone, but we're on every major podcasting platform, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, you name it, the Four Corners Podcast is there. Give it a like. Review me as the host. But more importantly, we keep on reviewing Anthony as the co-host. That way I can keep on applying the pressure to step his game up or, or maybe force him out and get me a new co-host. Uh, but most importantly, we want you guys to subscribe. That way you get every podcast right there in your podcast library. If you notice an uptick within this week alone, this is what you can expect in a sheer volume of podcasts. We're going to do our very best uh, to preview and recap every game individually as best we can. Sometimes we're going to have to double up, and I know you guys do understand that, but now that we're back into season mode, there will be two, three, sometimes four podcasts a week being put out. So make sure you do subscribe to every podcast is right there in your podcast library. Well, this is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Want to uh, thank you guys for listening. Anthony will be back next week when we get ready for the game against Loyola. Uh, so make sure to check that out. But until then, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.